Hello and welcome to the week 14 edition of Spitball. Your weekly NFL roundup. I'm your host, Adri Bullhawk Mallows, and with me via phone this week is Marcus. I own Fantasy Football Henson. How are you, buddy? Very good, thank you. Very good. How's your week of action been, sir? Yeah, it's not been too bad. It's a very good week uh, in Fantasy Land, and it's a very good week being a Rams supporter. Yeah, should we briefly touch on the Rams Bills game? Uh, I don't know, it depends. I'm not going to go on about it too much because 58 seconds left. Yeah, well played. Better team won. Blah blah blah. Your take on it? Uh, to be honest, it was poor offensive round, really. For me, I put it down to we scored the touchdown to go 12-7 up, and then instead of going for two points the standard way, showing committing to the two-point conversion. Getting 14 points on the board, meaning converted touchdown needed to tie the game over time. We went for an extra point. During the extra point, Snap got fumbled. Ended up having to try and make a two-point conversion out of nothing. And subsequently, obviously, we ended up with only 12 points. And then that left the door open for the late touchdown to win the game. Yeah, it wasn't pretty the way it was done. But then I can say as a Rams fan that I'm not complaining because we are getting wins. And that's, that's I believe, that's three on the trot now. But it's not been pretty wins. I mean, against Frisco yourself and Arizona it's been haggard to watch a sort of quite dogged offence there's some great people starting to come out I'm loving Gibson I think while Alan Dode is injured he's really come on fire a lot of injuries in our, our wide receiving core we need that we keep talking as Megatron is one of our awards we need a Megatron on our team really to, to sort of give Sam Bradford that definitive guy to go to like I said at the end of the day it's all about the W's it's not about how you get him isn't it it's about you got a W in the column yeah, absolutely. And thinking of getting W, one that surprised me a little bit this week, the New York Jets getting a win over Jacksonville. Now, we were talking last week saying, you know, give McElroy the start. He ended up getting dropped. Um, Tebow come in at number two and they started Mark Sanchez again. And initially it looked like it was a bad decision, but it took ages for them to score. It was either very late in the second quarter or even the second half where they got their first score. Yeah, it was kind of weird because um, Henny, um, there's a few chances he had to win the game and I think he just fluffed them really. It's definitely that last interception was definitely something with the, uh, the receiver not knowing where exactly they wanted him to go, but that was definitely wrong because, as you saw, receiver breaks in, he passes out, and nobody's there except for a, uh, a jet. Yeah, absolutely. Just quickly, I want to touch on this. Don't want, I know we don't want to say too much about it because of legal reasons, so to speak, but um, this week, unfortunately, we lost another player. Uh, Jerry Brown, linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys, was killed in a car crash, which his teammate, Josh Brent, has actually been charged with intoxicated manslaughter. Now, I understand it was a couple of hours before they were due to get on a plane to uh, to the game as well. It's just tragic that we've lost two players in the space of a week. Yeah, it's been a sort of sullen year, really, for the NFL. Not just, unfortunately, the losses of life, but also the loss in discipline. I mean, there's there was a lot of undisciplined behaviour, arrests made in the off-season. It seemed to be like we had the whole pretexture towards the the shutout. Oh, the lockout, the yeah. Lockout was last season. Yeah, so that kept us busy in the off-season. Obviously, to fill the void this year, players obviously thought they'd go out and act like idiots. And mm-hmm. Far too many assault-based charges, drink-driving charges definitely brought forward. It's, it's definitely a problem. But again, it's something you see all around the basis is, I don't think just the NFL's got a problem with it, I think the basis of professional sports, you only have to look over here with English football players getting 
yeah. nice big flash cars going out and really not knowing what to do with themselves once this certain wealth and uh, accumulation of power in their fame seems to just strike them tr- straight to the head. Yeah, too much money too young, uh, you would say, wouldn't you, I think, um, unfortunately. Absolutely. These guys, when they're coming out through college, of course the college system is kept mainly to try and keep it clean so you can't earn the money through playing it academic through the scholarships ergo you don't actually see any of the money it goes to pay towards your tuition towards your maintenance through university so none of the money actually runs through your hands ergo it's once they tend to get into the NFL the money the women they will start turning up problems start rousing yeah that's it well we'll leave that one there for now because um, as I say he has been charged with that but we don't want to say too much because there's still no. not a great deal of, of evidence etc out there against him at the moment so We'll move on. We'll try and pick the tempo up a little bit, pick the mood up. How about we go into our offensive impact player? So let's start off with your runner-up, I think, this week, my friend. Okay. So for our offensive award, our Megatron award, for the best offensive impact player of the week, my silver medalist, my not quite good enough, goes to Mr. Tom Brady, New England Patriots. Yeah, I was wondering whether maybe he would sneak in there for you this week because there's a couple of people that I was thinking of and you may have them in the reverse order that I was thinking by the sounds of it. Yeah, I mean, it, was, it came to a contention that it was like this was a game that they had to win. A lot of people putting this on the line as this is going to be the AFC conference game which we'll see in a, a couple of weeks' time in January. And it seemed to be that he came in, he led his team, he was the better of the, the captains, he, you know, him versus Sharp, and he sort of came out on top. I mean... When you're throwing four touchdowns, better part, 2.96 in yardage, it was very well controlled, very well maintained, nothing overly flashy. Uh, Hernandez looked really good on the night with his two, but it was, it was all evenly spread around, not one person just dogmatting, kind of like the, the Gronks, where we've seen Gronk take over 100 yards and steal the show from underneath it. No, I think Tom Brady really came in and uh, showed what he can do this week and uh, why he is such that, uh, that name in New England. Yeah, and uh, well, that leads me quite nicely actually into my offensive impact player because I have actually named Tom Brady my offensive impact player this week, purely for the reasons you've just mentioned before. You know, it's two, it's uh, four touchdowns, two hundred ninety-six yards. The way he controls the game, I don't think we've talked about him enough this year because with so much going on with with Luck and RG three, it's it's often easy to forget about the players that just keep doing their thing. They're just great players. Tom Brady's destined for the Hall of Fame. There's no doubt about that. This week, he had his 18th game with four or more touchdowns, which ties Johnny Unitas' record. Oh, yes. He's also now up to 45 consecutive games with a touchdown pass. So that takes him to two off Unitas' old record of 47. But because of Drew Brees, he's 10 games away from breaking Brees' record. Nine to tie it, 10 to break it. So... Can yeah, he do it? You see, now Breeze broke his uh, broke his this year, so therefore the streak did stop at least. You mean Breeze when he lost his streak against Atlanta? Exactly. So yeah. So at least the streak has stopped, so there is actually a target now for Tom Breeze to hit. Yeah, that's it. And um, well, there's no doubt in my mind that someone like Brady could do that. I hate the Patriots, but I can't say enough good things about Tom Brady. And with the game against the Texans, I was saying to one of my friends on Twitter earlier, this is the beauty of Belichick. He can make a great team look like schoolboys that's how good a coach he is absolutely yes I think there's something about the man that he can bring out towards the players that there's, a, there's a definite belief don't sit around in a, a position as such as he has 
and get so much success out of it without actually having the talent and the words to back it up. Yes, there's been a couple of bumps along the road, but I think you have to give it to the man that he knows how to win, he strives for success, and uh, he's ever looking towards the next game and the next win. Absolutely, and his mentality towards everything, where he's just saying, do your job, that's all I ask you to do. It's such a simple coaching philosophy, isn't it? Just do your job. Don't worry about what the guy next to you is doing. You do your job. And um, i never forget this from one of America's Games programs that I saw this on. But it was going on about, you know, the year they played Philadelphia in the Super Bowl? Yes. Belichick's pre-game speech in the meeting before the game, he just pulled out a piece of paper and uh, he said, so, Philadelphia's victory presentation goes like this, and then just like read out like all of the different bits of itinerary from the Philadelphia victory parade. That was his pre-game speech. That's unbelievable. Yeah, there is the, the psychology there that he's got completely right um, to tune his players into his way of thinking, that sort of champion's way of thinking. You know, you can't have to say that three Super Bowl rings sing pretty on his finger he knows how to do it absolutely so how about your number one offensive impact player my Mr Megatron for this week you may give it yourself a pat on the back Mr Cam Newton Carolina Pampers ooh okay you went in a different direction to what I was thinking but yeah carry on and the reason why I went for this is because we all love the upset this was absolutely dogmatic right now you've got the Falcons flying high and literally the Panthers came and shot them down. And it really did ride, I think, quite solely on the back of Mr. Newton. Because you look at what he did. He put 287 yards through the air with two touchdowns. He also put another 116 on the ground with a touchdown. That included that great 72-yard touchdown run he had. But it was it seemed to be that he rallied off. He, sort of, he was the captain charging off in front of the team, sort of charging from the front. And what he did is he made the Falcons then have to play different type of football where they're having to constantly pass, becoming one-dimensional, playing the catch-up game, and though Carolina's defense isn't the best in the world, you managed to create the fourth-down situations, get the punt team on, and actually secure it so that they can keep controlling the game. And I think, again, we've been going on about this, that how he had a mid-season slump, but he didn't go off to a great start. He sort of started throwing his toys out of the pram. I don't know if something was said, or whether he suddenly came to the idea that he's going to, if they want to change their, their, their prerogative this season, he's the one who's going to have to step up and mature over it but um, the last couple of weeks loving what he's suddenly doing and loving the effort he's suddenly put in only wish he'd been doing this earlier on the season we might have seen a bit more contention from the south I'm going to put this out there do you think he heard the podcast last week where I said he was totally last year and therefore he had something to prove to me this week because he knew that your dad had him in his fantasy team and was up against me this week so thought he would go out and get 42 points to cost me a playoff place possibly possibly that as well I mean that um, NFL um, quarterbacks are quite quite in situ towards upsetting podcast presenters. This is you guys. This is two-edged sword. This this life we lead. Absolutely, yeah. You try and talk like you know what's going on, and then the players decide they're going to do something completely different. But that's the beauty of the game, I suppose. Absolutely, but it just goes to show you that it's it's always in the balance, and it's never a definitive game. You can't say it's a win before the win is it is written. Therefore, I mean, for me. Upsetting Atlanta like that and really putting a stamp on it, that is why he deserves to be called Mr. Megatron for the week, where it will pride my friend. You can be Super Megatron if you really so wish. Absolutely, and congratulations, Cam Newton. Remains to be seen if you can keep it up for the rest of the year. I'm just going to go ahead out there and say it. Great performance this week. Shame you cost me the loss. Yeah, cheers, all that shenanigans. 
But also special mention, I think, this week needs to also be said for Adrian Peterson. That's who I thought you were going to put as number one. Because it was, it was, I was umming and about it, but I must admit, it, the upset pulled me in, I'm afraid. So you're saying that Minnesota upset in Chicago? Well, you're saying it's not an upset that Minnesota beat Chicago? I don't think it's been an upset, no. Fair enough. Um, I think one of the big reasons for me why it wasn't as much an upset is because it was at Minnesota with a home field advantage. It also took towards, I know Pampers home field, but to be honest, we've only about half the stadium full, it's hardly a home field. Viking, they have progress. I mean, Honda's been quite iffy and been the sort of Achilles heel, but Adrian Peterson putting in consistency towards that the defence is starting to step up this is their second game on the bounce now I, I felt like Minnesota had a good shot towards the game and I think, I think they're only about one game uh, swap places, I mean if they win this week and Chicago lose I mean Chicago got the Packers this week I mean that, that's really difficult, I know it's out of field but got the Packers and if I beat Rams therefore I think you can find the Bears and Vikings places over in that wild card you can see um, well, we'll come on to this a bit later on, but there's a few other scenarios that need to go on. But yeah, they're seven and six at the moment. Chicago are eight and five, but we'll we'll come back to the playoff picture later on to go over the other teams that are also involved in that battle. Because it's unfortunately it's not quite as straightforward as a Minnesota win puts them in if Chicago lose. But yeah, we'll we'll come back to that. How about we move on to our defensive impact Go for it. Second place is going to go to Bobby Wagner of Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, you can't you can't not put a Seahawk in a runner-up position when they shut out the Cardinals the way they did. Oh, wow. I was tempted to do, um, as we've done it a few times before, and put the entire defence up for submission. But I think this guy sort of just kind of took the bragging rights from his teammates this week. Yep. Four tackles, four assists, two interceptions. The guy was on the field and he was letting himself be known. I mean, there's, there's something to be said when you take two interceptions, that's really impressive. But for me, the fact that you had four tackles, but also the four assists, that sort of stood out for me because I was kind of like, wow, that means when other people making tackles, you're, going in, you're getting in there to make sure the tackle is complete. You're getting uh, your possibility of getting into the, the trenches and fighting out for that extra, making sure the extra yard isn't won from it. Yeah, he's a linebacker, is he? Uh, no, I think he's safety. Oh, safety, okay. So, uh, therefore, you know, I'm not sure whether full, full or strong safety, but the guy is literally probably covering a lot of pitch and um, making a, a lot of tackles. And, like I said, for two interceptions as well, it's a, there's a lot to be said that you disrupted quite a, a considerable chunk. I mean, <clears throat> to call it an offense is a bit of a, uh, an understatement, really. But whatever Arizona called that other half there half their program you disrupted it yeah absolutely this week I actually went for my Mr Ray Lewis award I did do what we've done before and I did go for an entire team defence and that was because I couldn't pick between a few of the Vikings defenders so I thought fair's fair go for the whole defence for the way they played against Chicago two sacks two interceptions forced fumble they didn't recover it but they managed to put the ball out there and they also scored a touchdown off a 50 plus yard interception return from Harrison Smith oh absolutely yeah very very impressive I mean like you said Vikings I like it because the Vikings really they have this sort of synonymous air around them for having a very good defence and it's been sort of hit and miss this year whether which Vikings defence turns up 
Yeah, we've talked about them before, haven't we? Two cornerbacks in particular. We've talked about the young lad Robinson and also the veteran and one of my favourite defenders in Antoine Winfield. It's great that mix of youth and sort of veterancy, but it kind of staves off the fact that the problem hasn't actually been through the corners as much as you consider. A lot of the time the problem is they haven't got the access to the linebacking court. A lot of very beaten up guys there working out uh, through the veterans on the, the defensive line. Yeah. But it's finding hard that... that to create a full healthy front seven I think they've had the biggest trouble for and they've let a lot of stuff go over the middle yeah so if they can pick up maybe some decent linebackers out of the draft this year maybe that's where they need to focus yeah I think they need a bit of speed and size for the, for the linebacking court because they've just got a couple I think Greenway they've got there he's just he's getting a bit beaten up quite injury prone yeah Chad Greenway that is isn't it yeah Brilliant. Yeah, and thinking of draft players I know he's not due for draft through a few years but just wanted to come back to last week we mentioned the Oregon quarterback and we couldn't remember his name so we do apologise and I blame that solely on you Marcus being the Oregon fan but it's actually a young lad Marcus Mariota who's another freshman quarterback making waves through the college scene at the moment yes yes of course that slight um, that tongue-tiedness that I had happened to suffer it definitely stood to reason why uh, the offence through the, the Oregon system has been always their highlight, whether it's been uh, a sense through the air or they've had a brilliant uh, set of running backs over the last couple of... Yeah, they've got De'Anthony Thomas, haven't they, running back this year? Who's another? He was a, a pre-season Heisman candidate, but just sort of tailed off, I guess, due to yeah, Mariota's performance at quarterback. Yes, I think it was. A lot of the time it came through as well that they had to outscore opponents this year. I mean, when they came up to some of those big games, you notice how the defence definitely seemed to let them down. You look at the USC game, I mean, did any defence decide to turn up to that game? It was ridiculous. Both um, near enough 100 points scored. Yeah, it was a ridiculously high-scoring game. But yeah, and one final thing on college before we get back to the NFL. We had the Heisman presentation this weekend, so I feel this is worth a mention because this year we had our first ever freshman winning the Heisman Trophy and he is now aptly named Johnny Heismanzel (laughs) (laughs) so this was that's just a name I picked up from the presentation ceremony that he was being called or rumoured to be called prior to the actual presentation itself but he was obviously up against Colin Klein of Kansas State and Manti Teo of Notre Dame fighting Irish linebacker um, he finished second did Teal and then third Colin Klein with the least amount of votes but Johnny Manziel otherwise known as Johnny Football what a great season over 3,000 yards passing over 1,000 yards rushing the guy's a phenomenal athlete and if he keeps up that form when he comes into the NFL he is a scary talent oh yeah yes Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he seems a very well-rounded kid and with his feet firmly on the ground and let's hope he stays that way. Oh, definitely. Let's hope so. So let's move on after our little digression there on to your Mr. Ray Lewis. Yeah, this is my actual where this was Stevie Brown, New York Giant. Really? A giant in there? Breeze was just 
could not. I mean, he didn't have the best of games, but you, you sort of watched the mechanics were wrong. This guy, okay, one of his interceptions was a license of mine. Say Graham didn't catch that, pow, he was going to get it right in the kisser, you know. The guy seemed to have himself in place. You see that by having seven tackles and one assist, that he was will, well within all the action, creating forced fumble. Uh, I don't think that one was actually recovered in the end, but it's the fact that you do actually try and get in there and, and disrupt yeah, can we just quickly go back? Sorry, Marcus. Did you just quote Family Guy by saying "pow" right in the kisser? Possibly. I didn't intentionally, but I might have. Yeah. Cheers, Mr. Seth McFarlane, for your quotes. Obviously, that's been seeped in through many hours of watching it, and now it's deeply rootly embedded. Yeah. Brilliant. But sorry, mate. Carry on. Yeah, I think it's because so less people would get to see it, isn't it, say? So. Exactly. So, therefore, I watched that twice over, actually, um, just to actually try and get where this kid was coming from. And you just watched him, and, and the guy is actually quite undersized. I mean, he's, he's only, he's st- that's a safety. He's stacking on about 210, but you look at him, and it doesn't look quite in place. And he's not a big, burly 230-pounder, you know, coming in for the smacking heavy. He's more the free safety of that type. But the guy's got some serious speed. He's got great in, um, ball intelligence where he's reading the, the quarterback and he seems to be firmly inside Drew Brees' helmet all day. Uh, you know what, for that, um, the disruption he caused, the, the presence in mind to break up tackles, to create interceptions, I think that he created such, an, um, such a... A disillusionment towards the uh, the Saints. Yeah. That ultimately they were too far behind. Though they did come up with that little bit of a comeback towards the end. The like fourth quarter was all right, but you could see then by the end the fight was gone. And I think really that defense and this guy leading defense on top of that uh, podium today, uh, I think he helped secure quite a, a vital win for the New York Giants. Yeah, so congratulations to Mr. Brown on being our Mr. Ray Lewis Award, otherwise known as our Defensive Impact Player. So let's just have a quick look at some of the other results from this week. I mean, I said this in the blog, this week was home to the blowout, the close game, and a lot of snow in Green Bay. Great that, you know, ground staff had that, uh, that system for the place. I don't know if you managed to catch some of the replays of the huge sort of tent that they managed to inflate and actually create the, the pitch to level out about 60 degrees. Um, of course, they work out in Fahrenheit, not Celsius, it's not on fire. Um, but about a 60 degree pitch that they managed to keep at this temperature to make sure that it didn't actually freeze over. Is this all um, pre-game, I take it? It's all pre-game, yeah, but it's, it's the fact that they had this pretty much working overnight to make sure that the ground seeped in so it had a deep level of heat residing within it. So that when uh, the snow fell, it didn't actually so it settle. Hence why you saw it, that even towards the end of the game, snow's coming down in droves, yet the pitch is still green. Yeah, no, it's really fair play to the the groundsman there. That's a great job. And a good result for Green Bay as well. It was a great result for Green Bay. A much needed. Lions, of course, still in this dip that's now five games lost, losing on it. <laughs> trot it seems to be that you could almost kiss the season goodbye from there but yes I definitely agree with you the close games and the blowouts this week yeah um, 
which you had a couple of them within uh, three points dividends, really. I mean, yeah, Washington-Baltimore is the big standout, not only because it was my swing of the week correctly called last week, but because it was the way Washington came back with, um, shall we say, with, with half an RG3 for some of that last drive after he had his knee injury, yeah, still managed I mean, to make a couple was, of plays. Yes, it was, it was very painful. I mean, the way that the hyperextension came across, it, was, it looked devastating, to be honest. Very easy to just suddenly tear a tendon there. I understand uh, it's just a medium sprain of his uh, LCL, I think they called it, say. So. Yeah, which basically means that that kid is pretty much made of Teflon and can't really destroy him but yeah you saw how he came back and through that he had a 30 yard pass play he did knee, even though he couldn't drive on it I mean the guy is just I'm every time I watch RG3 I'm more and more impressed by the kid and literally I'm rooting for him to win all the time now it's kind of now the Rams have uh, have beaten them this season we're going to have to play them again I can sit there and actually sit there and have a nice good sort of cheer every time I see um, you know Redskins come on are they winning because it has become like these characters that you see, the luck, I find myself cheering for the Colts. Yeah. I want to see luck do well. Um, even though I'm a Rams fan, I'm cheering on the Seahawks because I want to actually see Russell Wilson because I think the kid's got so much potential. I'm cheering on Seahawks in that blowout. He's had another great game. I mean, he was the number one on my shortlist for the offensive award. These characters that are suddenly coming through, Doug Martin, I'm cheering on, on Tampa Bay because I think they're, uh, he's huge talent. I want to see them progress. But you see, these characters that we can sort of not fall in love with, but get behind, I think would be a better, better analogy of it, is that we can just take them out of the context of um, the team base and just root for them to win. Yeah, absolutely. RG3 this season, as you say, it's just he makes me, I said it in the blog as well, that it's getting to a point where he, the more I see him, the more I just want to cheer for him. And obviously it helps that one of my good friends is a Redskins fan as well, but... Uh, yeah, I, I love seeing the kid win. And let's not forget, when he went out, Kirk Cousins came in, completed two of two passes on that drive, including the 11-yard touchdown pass at the end. So to, uh, I think it was to Garcon, wasn't it, at the very end of the game? So It was to Garcon. I mean, a lot of people questioned um, the tactics behind Redskins when this year they did draft both RG3 and then I believe in the second round get Cousins. A lot of people sitting there wondering, what was the third round? Do we leave, actually? Uh, I think it's actually fourth round. Sorry to have to correct you, but it's just what I was reading earlier. I'm pretty sure he was fourth round draft pick. Fourth round, yeah. So a lot of people sitting there going, right, you drafted RG3, who's obviously going to be your, your starting Franchise, quarterback. Yeah. Um, but it's going to take, then they take Cousins, and you're sitting there going, well, why not just put a veteran behind him to give him the experience? But no, they decided to take two rookies and put them as one and two in the draft and dev chart. And it seems to have paid off this week. It definitely has paid off because, again, you like to see the youngsters come in and do well and sort of cement themselves as, as they are. And um, fair play to them. Yeah, brilliant performance. Yeah. And uh, you've got, you got the other side of it. You look at the other rookies who are coming in, some um, people like Arizona. Um, it's just not really working, is it? No. But other good rookies this year, let's not forget Trent Richardson's doing a phenomenal job in Cleveland and they picked up another win this week against Kansas. Yes, they did. It was um, it's a very impressive Browns. Whedon did very well this week, um, finding out another rookie in Josh Gordon, who of course we've known as a bit of a flash player, really, where he'll have these big, his, his first, I believe, first catch in the NFL was something nearly like a yard touchdown pass. Yeah, he's um, been, yeah, he's been drips and drabs, hasn't he, this year? He's kind of either been on fire or he's just, you've not really known he's even in the game. Well, it seems that the guy hits very big, about 6'4", 6'5", 
five. He's got the the muscular build of say a Megatron in the sort of two ten to two twenty region. Um, but he's got lightning speed, and he seems to just be that bomb downfield. I don't think there's really been the sort of the pressure to use him as the all-purpose down uh, receiver. You know, you need to get that inlet into the middle. I mean, you look at how Megatron's become so useful this year. But it's been the idea of changing him from their outside presence into an every-down back. Um, something they were talking about. Anyone who watched the coverage of the Packers Detroit Lions game, yeah, the commentators had a great good five minutes of discussing that. I thought it was. Uh, a great point to make where people get these big built wide receivers, stick them on the outside, ask them to beat single main coverage, and then slowly but surely you get just everyone dropping down into a double coverage on them, and therefore you end up with people like Wes Welker who, who do so well because then they just abuse single coverage. Yeah, the slot receivers becoming, that's it, everyone seems to have the big tall wideouts on the edge and a small quick receiver in the slot. Yeah. Thinking of Megatron, last week I asked the question, is Calvin Johnson the best receiver to ever play the game? I personally believe he is, but I think you may have a few retorts for that. We were going back onto this, and the question was that as he was approaching Jerry Rice's single season record, is he potentially the best? I mean, he was talking about beating someone like Jerry Rice. And the reason why I've actually come to this, this conclusion is because before Calvin Johnson... There was someone else who we came and we spoke about these things and we said exactly the same things. Shall we say back in 2004? Anyone ring a bell? Terrell Owens? Nope. Ooh, so 2004, if it wasn't Terrell Owens. Plays in purple. Randy Moss. Randy Moss. We were talking the same exact thing back in 2003-2004 season, just as he hit his peak before he got shipped out to Oakland, that in the first sort of four years from 98 to sort of 2002, coming into 2003-2004 season, people were saying, is Randy Moss the best receiver ever? I mean, there is some creditation to the guy. I mean, the stats are impressive. With 967 receptions, 15,000 yards, uh, 155 touchdowns, the guy is, is, is pretty phenomenal. I mean, you look at the seven Pro Bowls he's gone to, uh, winning Offensive Rookie of the Year the first year in 1998, once he was drafted 21st and overall pick that year. The guy, it just seems to me that when you said he's the greatest player ever, I went back, I did some research, and I found that we were basically saying this about Randy Moss, and you can't help but think of how he has, I'm not going to say aged, maybe matured more, that he's become just that he's hit the peak of his career, and then it sort of ebbed and flowed from that. With that though, at the moment, Calvin Johnson, six seasons in, or in his sixth season at the moment, he's got half of Moss's career yardage already, or there or thereabouts, with 7,418 yards, 54 touchdowns. When you look at his average, bear in mind we're not at the end of his sixth season yet, but taking it as if this was the complete season, you're looking at an average of 1,200 yards receiving a year, nine touchdowns a year. The guy is just phenomenal, and as I said before, it's not just about his stats that go up on the board, the likes of Randy Moss are great receivers. They break their coverage. Like For example, Moss breaks his coverage, scores when he's wide open. It's more about the fact that the type of catches that Johnson's making, the way he's making the one-handed grabs down the sideline, keeping that control, the way he's catching the ball in traffic. You've got three or four people around him. He goes up, he makes jump. He's, what is he, about 6'5", I think, something like that? Yeah. Just extend, uses that full frame to his advantage and... You never, ever doubt him coming down with a ball when it's thrown up to him, regardless of how many defenders are around him. Oh, that's absolutely. what I that's think what he saying. differs to Randy Back Moss. In the heyday, this is exactly what we were saying about Randy Moss, is that he 
basically do no wrong. He was beating the coverages, beating the catches. And this is why he sort of condensed the back, because there's always the next step where there's going to be someone else who's going to be coming in to be breaking that. Now, the reason why we're going back to the original argument, which is he's the best of ever time using Jerry Rice as the sort of synopsis towards it, is that you're looking at when Jerry Rice played, it wasn't as passer-friendly a league. So therefore, surely that we're saying that the progressions have got easier for these wide receivers. And the fact is that though today we're talking about Calvin Johnson, Megatron, we're saying in 2002 we were talking about Randy Moss. And who knows, in 2016, we might be talking about someone else. Yeah, there's, there's always that possibility. I think we'll leave it now for the viewers to decide who they think the best receiver of all time is. And I think we will also put a little poll alongside the podcast this week. So you can vote who you think the best receiver of all time is. We'll have a choice of Randy Moss, as he's been mentioned today. Obviously Jerry Rice. Calvin Johnson, obviously again. Megatron, we name an award after him, there's a reason why. And we have to do put T.O. in there as well, because we'll have... some people will feel he has, though, yes, he did have the off-the-field problems on the field, if we're talking about the catches and the, the presence he created. Yep, yeah, we'll stick to Owens in there, as he is a former Buffalo Bill and we'll also give you the option to suggest who you think might be the greatest receiver of all time. So let's quickly move through. We're going to do like our quick fire playoff roundup before we then go into our swings of the week to finish off. So looking at the NFC, not really a great deal of change at the top, so to speak. You've got Atlanta still number one at 11-2 and two despite their loss. San Francisco after their win against Miami still uh, number two at nine three and one. Green Bay with their win still number three nine and four. Giants win keeps them on eight. Well puts them to eight and five keeps them in number four. Number five is now Seattle at eight and five because of their record against Chicago. Chicago are number six and then following them up at number seven you've got Washington at seven and six. Yeah. You've then got Dallas at number eight at seven and six. Yeah, you have the Vikings at number nine at seven and six. So, if Chicago do lose next week and Minnesota win, Minnesota also need Washington and Dallas to win. There's a few permutations there. Obviously, if Dallas win and the others lose, then they move up into six. So it could go either way. You could have two teams from the NFC North in there. You could have two teams from the NFC East in there. Yeah, who knows which way that's going to go? To be honest, and um, the AFC, it's pretty standard. There's only been a small change at the top, not at the very top, obviously. Houston still number one at eleven and two. New England number two at ten and three. Denver move into number three, which I don't think they were last week. Um, at 10 and 3 and then Baltimore number 4 at because of their loss so yeah Baltimore were number 3 last week I was just double checking so they've switched places Indianapolis 9 and 4 so they stay at 5 and Pittsburgh are 6th with a record of 7 and 6 because of their head to head against Cincinnati their division rivals Cincinnati are 7 and 6 and New York Jets are 6 and 7 so they're below Cincinnati and then you would not chuckle at who is below the Jets as the next team to then move up. I don't think it's going to happen because their record's 5-8. and eight. But have you seen who is below the Jets in the playoff standings? No, go on. Cleveland Browns at 5-8 and eight are wow. next in line after the Jets. <laughs> when did they sneak in? I don't know. So if Pittsburgh, Cincinnati and New York Jets all lose out and Cleveland win out the rest of the season, they would make the playoffs. Well, there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's move finally on to our of the week. 
Um, I'm going to quickly throw a bonus swing out there before I get your swing and then go on to my final swing. That makes sense. Um, a bonus one for the fans. I'm going for New York Giants to beat Atlanta with a 70-30 swing with the form that Manning is finding. Uh, Wilson, the young running back as well, he's devastating at the moment on his kick returns, punt returns and from the backfield. And with Atlanta's loss against Carolina, I didn't really see much there in a playoff team. Obviously Giants manhandled them last year in the first playoff game. So I'm going to go for a big giant swing in that game wow yeah remember where you heard it first <laughs> yeah um, so what about yourself mate what are you going for in the in the way of swing this week well my swing again I'm going for a bit of an upset swing and that is I'm actually going to head over to Soldier Field and I'm going to watch Chicago beat the Packers with a 60-40 swing really yeah I mean I watched the um, Detroit Line game and I must admit yes the heavy snow was a, a factor towards it but there was definitely a set time between Aaron Rodgers and his receivers at times. I mean, they didn't seem to be quite the same set. The disruption that Lions were putting on, they went back into this nice, deep set where they basically pretty much just rushed the front before. They got some really nice guys with Fairley and Sue, basically putting a lot of pressure just from themselves. It allowed them to put a lot of guys behind the ball to try and protect the backers, the linebackers for the run and the secondary in the, in the sense of the pass. So it wasn't actually that amazing a game. To be honest, it was quite gridlocked for one point. And the Chicago Bears defense is on a great sim, same form this year. Their outside players, secondary, linebacking core, that sort of deep set are brilliant. I think they're going to be able to get pressure through the front. I know they didn't really manage to get it through with the offensive line of the uh, the Vikings. I think they, that it's not quite as good an offensive line protecting Rodgers this year. I think they've got a couple of injuries, a couple of people who aren't there. So I think they could really set format, getting in Rodgers' face, cause him to make a couple of mistakes, if not, you know, cause about a fumble to turn up. And I think that Cutler and Marshall, even though they didn't win this week, um, again, they still managed to find some form between each other. Because I think Marshall is another one of these receivers who seems to be able to break his coverage every time. It doesn't matter. You put your double coverage on him. Plus, he's get open. Yeah, he got nearly 120 yards this week. Exactly. So I think against you know quite a battered secondary within within Cheesehead camp, it, it looks possible that you could have an upset on your cards. Um, if I take an upset, I'm only giving it 60-40, so that's by a dividend of 10 to about uh, three points. So it's, it's not going to be quite a, a one-point sort of like last-minute kick game like the Dallas Cowboys this week. But at the same time, I think we're going to get a one score to a maximum of 10-point game. Nice one. And to finish off my of the week this week, it could potentially be this year's Super Bowl. You have 49ers at New England. I'm going for, no surprises with this one, I'm sure, if you people have been listening the last few weeks, I'm going for New England again to beat the 49ers with a 60-40 swing because, in the words I've written on my pad here, if Kaepernick starts that game, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think to that? Smith back into this sort of 
you need to get back in chuck him in the deep end you've got to get him into that game readiness absolutely yeah three weeks left until we know who's in the playoffs and it's just so exciting at the moment I can't wait to see who's going to end up in there we've got a rough idea of there's a few teams that have secured their place but for the teams that remain I honestly think it'd be hilarious if all the other teams except Cleveland lost out and Cleveland won out wow that would make my day I think so yeah, that defence has got some things going for it I said it's um, about, about five six weeks ago now but if, if Weeding can um, make some smart choices when throwing the ball and Richardson can still keep pummeling it in I think they're playing on them and they've also got that win over Pittsburgh now as well, which then which will come in very handy in their head-to-head. Yeah, and they're potentially going up against a, um, a Redskins side this week at home, which probably will start Kirk Cousins. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it all depends on the fitness of RG3, doesn't it? We're going to leave you with that for now. I'm sure you've probably found out that we've rambled on long enough, but uh, we always have fun yeah. when we do it. We hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, Marcus, until next week, my friend, it's always a pleasure. As always. Take care, buddy. 